Chopping Wood Inside. Welcome to the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I'm your host, Murphy. Tom, still there? What year is this? <laughs> what year is it, dude? <laughs> Our minds are still blown uh, from the season finale and the series in general. And uh, here we are almost a week later. Tom, uh, you know, what do you think, dude? I just want to talk about part 17 and 18. We've, it's been almost a week. You and I have had numerous conversations, so I'm ready to dive way deep, my friend. Uh, well, great. We'll start diving because I'm still like in terror <laughs> shock from the end, uh, you know, and I still pretty much feel the way I felt uh, in the, the when we recorded our uh, hot take podcast. But, you know, there's been other theories out there that are kind of painting different pictures of what the possibilities are. So I'm looking for some glimmers of hope <laughs> but to override this, uh, this still this feeling of dread that has been, was, you know, I felt the high of watching the art piece uh, for several days and just loving that. But then trying to rationalize it and make sense of it and uh, put it in my heart in a certain way to where it doesn't just feel like a knife stabbing in my uh, chest. I'm having trouble doing that. So can you help me? <laughs> you got anything for my pain, my twitches well, malaise? Are you familiar with the uh, Dr. Kubler-Ross, Kubler-Ross, um, her seven stages? Yeah, of, I'm, I'm not in anger. I don't think anger is even a part of this. It's uh, what, are, what are the five stages? It's like <laughs> anger, know. bargaining, depression, acceptance. acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm in bafflement. Uh, it just, it just, I, I think I'm in the early stages because I really think like if we weren't shooting, listening, uh, shooting this podcast, I probably would just need to sit on this for a while. <laughs> right. Just kind of like let it steep. Well, you're you know? convinced that Agent Cooper is a massive failure here at the end of Part 18, and it has not only affected you as a fan of Twin Peaks, but you in your personal life because Agent Cooper has always been a huge role model for you. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's been a tough pill to swallow. Like, yeah, I patterned my entire life after this guy. <laughs> and look where it got him. Like, so anyway, it's really made, it's made me question what I think of what, you know, uh, heroes are role models, what doing good, being a, you know, I've always wanted to wear the white hat. Even as a little kid, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. So it's like, what does that mean? You know, and what are, you know, people that are considered heroic that are off safe? You know, it's like, there's often some, maybe some twisted shit behind that. Like, I mean, maybe heroes aren't such great guys after all. <laughs> Well, I just think the number one thing for me in relation to Cooper and this whole journey in part 18, we see him first, well, not first, but he emerges out of the, uh, the Black Lodge, the Red Room, um, about 10 minutes into the story, and him and Diane go on a journey, and then they cross over again, and it's at that point where he starts acting uncoop-like. He starts acting, he kind of vacillates between coop and Mr. C's tendencies, especially at uh, the Eda Judy's coffee shop, where he really, in my opinion, is more Mr. C than Coop. But then once he returns to, um, uh, or actually finds Carrie Page, he's acting kind of like Coop again. So I think what it, we're seeing here is kind of a mimicry of what Philip Jeffries, what we saw, what we glimpsed in Firewalk With Me, um, when he was in Buenos Aires and then all of a sudden showed up in Philadelphia, he was confused and disoriented. He recognized Cooper as someone who was not Cooper. Um, and if you watch The Missing Pieces, was confused uh, as to what year he was in. And I think in the script, it says that it was a two-year gap. I think he actually leaped forward in time two years. So I think what we're seeing now with Cooper is some general confusion just because of all of the uh, time jumping that's going on. I think he's got a mission in place. I still think he's our white knight, but also 
he never properly confronted his shadow self in part 17. He just put the, the ring on Mr. C. Lucy, of all people, killed Mr. C. So I think what we're dealing with uh, many, many, many layers, but one, first and foremost, is him having to deal with his darker nature while trying to fulfill this mission. Yeah, I think that's what it is, that his failure to fulfill or to, to even confront himself, you know, it's like he's yeah. always uh, looking outward, trying to save Laura, save other people. But, you know, he's not I don't think he's got a he doesn't have a great plan walking up to that Palmer house like he's got, you know, the, the altruistic uh, white knight tendencies. But I don't, I don't think he's ever had the logic behind it. Uh, you know, he doesn't even have a superpower like Freddie at least had the glove. Well, I think one of the key lines is when uh, Coop and Diane, before they enter or cross over, I think she says to him, are you sure you want to do this or go through with this? And he doesn't even respond. He just says, we're, we're close now or, or pulls over. She is able to recognize that once they cross over, things are going to be not only different, but who's to know what, you know, their mission, what will it be successful? And I think she's offering to Coop a chance to stop. Why are you, you're, are you the chosen one? Is the world going to end? Is the mother going to you know, overwhelm all light? And we're going to be living in a world of darkness if you don't fulfill your mission. So there's all kinds of possibilities. And uh, here it is, another woman who's kind of tuned in and uh, Coop doesn't listen. He just continues forward and he doesn't, you know, not only loses Diane, but we see obviously at the end, like you discussed, um, there is more than ambiguity with Cooper with what year it is. I think there was a massive fail by bringing Carrie Page slash Laura Palmer to that location. Yeah, like I, the Judy scene is the one that really disturbed me about him. <laughs> I was like, what has happened to him? What Judy you know, scene? Uh, when they ate at Judy's. Like, the oh, he's yeah, like yeah. Half coop and he puts the, like, why would he do something so dangerous? Why put the guns in the fryer? Like, it doesn't make any sense. He's putting everyone in danger. He's really brandishing the gun around. It just seems so uncoop like. It's like, you know, what has happened? He's Richard, you know? Okay, so, uh, but it just makes me, uh, it makes me feel bad. Well, he's Richard <laughs> in Diane's eyes or Linda's eyes. He never references Richard other than reading the note, he says on a couple occasions, I'm Special Agent Dale Cooper. So um, I, I'm not convinced that he's Richard, whether it's maybe it's kind of like these 1960s spy movies. That's his, you know, undercover name per the fireman's uh, instructions in part one. But he certainly, I think, was confused reading Diane's note. Like, Richard? Linda? He, he wasn't getting it. And maybe his brain was a little bit more scrambled than hers when they crossed over, but yet he still knew well enough to find Laura Palmer and bring her back to Twin Peaks. Now, what, what purpose that serves, we'll get into because I, I tossed a, a wild theory at Murphy just before we started recording. And I think after I, I got done with it, you, you said like, uh, I, I don't get it. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, why don't you go, if you really feel strongly, go ahead. Tell the well, world, see if they well, get Well, the one thing that I was thinking about was the part eight when the fireman basically created Laura or she emanated from his essence. And uh, after he saw the events of the Trinity test and the mother uh, and the umbilical cord with all the eggs and the bob bubble, his first reaction is to levitate and to create or well, create this, this Laura orb and send it off to our realm to presumably 
fight that evil. That's what I always thought. But thinking more about it, I, I think there might be another alternative because at the end of part eight, we all know what happened. We know that um, the woodsmen came to that town. We still don't know exactly what that location is, but and we saw the young couple, um, girl and boy, their first kiss, young love, and then obviously that bug, which was hatched from an egg, which we presume came from the mother, went inside of her and you know corrupted her. We don't know. A lot of people speculate that's uh, Sarah Palmer. Uh, some people have speculated it's the log lady. I was always hoping it was a self-contained episode, and it was more symbolic than anything. But what if when the fi- or firemen saw these chain, chain of events, we didn't see all the pictures um, that, that he saw and that he knows. He is omniscient. What if the Laura Palmer creation, that golden orb, was not to just combat evil, but to combat that particular egg which could very well represent Bob or this all-encompassing evil. And I say this because Laura Palmer herself is the perfect definition of duality. She represents both the light and the dark. She always has, and I think she always will, and I think that's what her role is, is not a Christ-like figure. She is this pawn to combat this evil. So what if, hypothetically, that she was created to... um, possess this girl as well we didn't see that we don't know how that would transpire to combat that bug within and sometimes the bug the evil would come out and sometimes the light would overwhelm it creating this dual nature um and i still think it would work on a symbolic level but what i'm what i'm getting at is is that judy how we know what we know of judy cole said jowde was this ancient um, negative force and they just refer to it as Judy but I'm not going to just take that at face value I think that um, you okay there did something happen Murph I don't know what that was I think sorry it was something on the, my desk here oh okay all right well we can't edit that out folks so uh, just uh, this is live take but um, so what I'm saying is is that I really believe that Judy is not the experiment the Judy is the real world manifestation is like a, a person Um, that she's not evil. She's represented by Laura, the light and the dark. And whoever we saw in that glass box and in the Trinity test, um, kind of vomiting out all that, uh, those eggs in the Bob bubble, is this experiment, is the the dark compared to the firemen, which represents the light. And Laura is just this pawn in the middle. And that is her role, is to not continually die, but to continually kind of combat this evil um, that is within representative within her. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's kind of like an internalization of that, like through her prism, and that it's all about her struggle, right? Yeah, well, it's not all, but it's Summit a huge up. part of it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just trying to speculate and think of other possibilities than just um, Judy being represented by uh, the experiment and Sarah Palmer. Oh, one other thing with that as well. So if that is the case, right? When the giant or the fireman tells Coop in part one, it is in our house now, I always took that to mean that the evil somehow um, infected or infested the White Lodge, that domain, somehow. And Coop's mission was to you know, go on this journey to, um, to obviously prevent that or to help the fireman out. But since Laura Palmer is a part of the fireman, that... Him saying it is in her house now could mean the Palmer residence. 
because we know there's something you know crazy and 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 pretty evil going on there now within Sarah Palmer. So it could mean that for me, when in Part 17, when Coop is leading the fire walk with me, Laura, towards Jackrabbit's palace and to the portal that would lead to the firemen, because there's that one shot. If you look closely, that's where Coop is taking Laura, but she sucked away. I believe that the fireman, with my theory, is responsible for pulling her out and not Judy because she represents part of Judy within her that he doesn't want her in her house. Her mission is not to be returned to the White Lodge. Her mission is to have another uh, identity, this Carrie Page, to continue the fight against the experiment. Yeah, some other people have thought that too, that like the White Lodge was sucking her away. But like, why did she scream like <laughs> like she was being sucked back by evil? Like I would think that the White Lodge, we've seen Mr. C and, uh, you know, Andy get booped, booped in there in a nice peaceful <laughs> manner. I would think the giant and the White Lodge would not be, make, they would like do it in a gentle manner that would not make her scream a blood-curdling death scream. Well, I would just think, I don't care if it's uh, a place of good or a place of evil. If something plucked me um, from the woods or any location, I probably would, would scream in terror. That would just be my... But I'm, you know, that's just that's just me. I'm easy to... Fight, yeah, easy well, to that was, uh, well, that was the dipsy doodle there. That was a super uh, turn, of, turn of events because we're supposed to be terrified at that. And so if really, we're, uh, really, it was a good thing that she got sucked away. Well, uh, that scream, right? Isn't that... This, twist, yeah. I'm sorry. Isn't that scream the same scream? That she, uh, that we heard in uh, part two in the lodge when she got plucked out. Yes, yeah, the classic, yeah, the classic Laura scream. Well, and we I, see it again in eighteen when she gets sucked out, right? Again of the, the so we've seen her get sucked out of the lodge multiple times. Right, you know, right. See, I think when so. she is when when Laura is in the lodge, she um, represents the the good. Like when she took her face off, we saw the white light behind it, um, and she is confused herself. I mean, she's dead, but yet she lives. I don't think she fully grasps um, her role. I don't think her ultimate fate, maybe way, way, way down the road, is to be like Senorita Dido with the firemen. But I think she is like Cooper. He's not at like this spirit. He was not born, I think, of some entity. I mean, Cooper is the knight, presumably. But when, when Laura is in the lodge, I think that she represents... Um, more of, 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 of the light, but when she gets returned to the real world, we're back to our dual nature. We're back to our, what I'll call the Judy with the, the, the light and the dark. And um, what Sarah, what the mother wants, there's another, I don't want to keep going. I'm just rambling, rambling on, but um, there's something else I want to talk about a little bit later. I want to get some of your insights into this, Murphy, relative to part eight again with the woodsman and when we saw the experiment. Uh, well, like I, I think we talked about last podcast that are the one that we, we didn't post, but that I've really looking back on part eight and this whole entire series, I think oh, this is all like Cooper's construct, his whole little girl, the story of the little girl down the lane and that he's trying to save Laura. This is like what he's been doing for 25 years and they have different stories. This is the story of the little girl that lives down the lane. He's been f playing this game over and over and over again. And uh, that eight could be his, in his own head. He could have dreamt that up as like some... You know, we that's why we're trying to make sense of like the whole Laura as the God figure being sent down to save. Um, it could be that could be his image and what he thought of her and how and the ultimate you know motivation to try to save her. He's trying to save the saver. He's trying to be do God's work, you know. But he's really just 
in this loop, you know, because like as soon as he's, Laura gets sucked up in seventeen, boom, he's back in the lodge. And the one Well, I boom, think is there's it, is it pre- future or is it past? And it goes to the same thing that we've already seen in part two, the whole Laura story, and then the evolution of the arm tries to like wake him up. Is this the story of the little girl that lives down the lane? You know, is it? And he's, he doesn't get it. He just keeps going. You know, I feel like that he's on the circular loop, and that even at the end, you know. He probably he was back in the lodge, you know. I thought like, okay, what would the last scene be? Uh, you know, after the lights went out, that he'd be, suddenly be back in the lodge. Well, it was because that's what we saw over the credits. He's back right. in the lodge again. So is she? Right. You know, well, so it feels like we're in some eternal, like the Mobius strip of it just reoccurring again. Well, like the number eight, the Infinity Symbol. Yeah, that it Jeffries just really feels like that to me. Still, too. you know. Well, there's yeah. a big part of me that really believes that, um, per the instructions of the evolution of the arm in part two, that Coop could not go out until Mister C returned well obviously all hell broke loose and Coop, we saw Coop's journey ultimately to the purple room and and then eventually to Dougie land where the bulk of our narrative took place but there was any number of, of uh, references or allusions to dreams and Mr. Dreamweaver and Belushi's uh, dream dreamer, and yeah. and obviously the dreamer and the whole thing we and- live inside a dream <laughs> I mean, dude. <laughs> no, so I, I th- and the big dream head pop. I mean, that really is like he's, try, he's trying to tell us something there. I yeah, no, I, is. yeah, I think that, and but it's too and, simple for people. I feel a lot of people are like, I can't. They don't want to. They're looking for something else. And I really like. I, forget, I think his name is David. I can't remember his last name, but the one that I think Kyle McLaughlin tweeted out earlier that everyone, if people are looking at the different theories, and he had a theory that you know it was more positive I mean, I've heard several people think that like okay that Laura was really blowing out the lights of the Black Lodge there and that it was some bomb that that, that somehow Judy was defeated and that you know it was a positive ending actually how and I just can't how I don't I can't that, see that yeah wait, how could I, I can't see how anyone <laughs> did you read that article I think a lot of people are reading it they basically say that that third reality was like a trap for uh, Judy and that like Laura it wasn't about Laura Laura was like the bait Laura had been sent there ever since she got sucked up uh, but she had forgotten her, her pain and sorrow so that Judy hadn't followed her there and that Coop and Diane were going to go back there and like consummate sex to somehow reverse the mother of Babylon or something like that and uh and that their trap uh, was successful because they did lure Judy in because Coop reminded her and said the memory started to come back and Judy took up residence in the Palmer Lodge in this trap reality. And uh, once Cooper brought, brought her there, that once she realized it, that all of her pain and sorrow was like a nuclear bomb of, of Garmin Bozia, which short-circuited the Judy uh, evil and that somehow it's over that the, the, Oh, that it short circuited that like pocket universe and that it killed Judy and Coop and Laura. They all just sacrificed themselves and that's how it ends. Well, I just On think, a positive note, like a suicide mission, positive note. Yeah. I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I think personally that, uh, um, McLaughlin thought it was very good. So you can tell him he's ridiculous. No, I'm not going to say he's <laughs> ridiculous, but is this the thing that you sent yeah, me? Cause it was very, the article forwarded. Yeah. He thought it was very compelling. Well, good I stuff. think that I'm not going to call, mother or the experiment judy because i'm i'm gonna go with my own theory with that but what? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> everyone thinks that so okay wait so you're thinking that uh the experiment is something separate that mother and we at least is mother and judy the same no i or think who, mother and all the, three different i think mother and the experiment are one and the same okay well, let's hear it well no i'm just saying that what we saw in that glass box which pretty much looked like the same entity in part eight that you know, Bob came from with the, you know came from and and all those eggs. So I'm assuming that is 
the extreme negative force, the Zhao Day. And I know what Cole said. I understand that I'm just not taking everything for face value. But I think that is a true representative of evil. And just like the fireman, I believe, is a true representative of good. And in my opinion, um, in Lynch's universe, those extremes can never be killed. Just like I don't think that they can be killed or, or, or defeated in our world because the universe is made up of both positive and negative particles. That's it. Those are the most extreme examples. I don't think you could kill the evil. The evil is always going to be there. That's why I think, yeah, that's why I think like that was my initial impression was that no matter what universe you go to or what timeline or what reality, that the evil is there. Like that's, that you can't, that it's, it's omnipresent. Yes. It's everywhere. And that maybe we're living in their house, their realities. You know, they're the, they may be the, our landlords, you know, it's like, uh, because they're always one step ahead of Coop. So that's well, my feeling. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I agree feeling. with that. I think that's the, the, the cyclical nature of the storyline. I don't think that um, you're going to have any definitive answer where, and just look at all of Lynch's prior films. There might be happy endings, but there's always like an undercurrent of darkness because that's reality. And I think that what the mission we're seeing here in Twin Peaks with Cooper and, and Jeffries and Briggs and, and Laura, the, the mortals, so to speak, um, are are kind of like pawns in this chess you know match between the extreme forces of, of light and dark, and it's cyclical. It will go on indefinitely, and that is the world of Twin Peaks. The name Twin Peaks itself is 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 duality, is dual in nature. Doppelgangers, uh, the whole thing is about dual you know uh, duality. So I, I just don't subscribe to any one definitive answer where either light or dark is ultimately defeated in the world of Twin Peaks because I think it's so ingrained in the DNA of not only the show but the characters and the mythology. Yeah, I'm really fascinated with like just what the 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 Alice Tremont's role in this, the, but the fact that he chose the person that really lives there. Some people like are positing, oh, maybe they're in our world. They actually transported to our world, 2015 real life world, and that that's why that she was. Uh, cast, um, you know, uh, watching that 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 you you and I get different impressions watching that. Like uh, I feel like somehow that she's in on this. That she's like not necessarily. I don't know what she is, but she knows who Laura is and who Cooper is. She's lying to them. That like she's not going to tell them because uh, you know she is an affiliate of the Lodge somehow, or she's a Tremondian. She's another Tremond mysterious lady. I think you know they, we've seen them pop up two or three times, and uh, you know I, I, that's what is her role you know and and that is so mysterious i think she did a great job like her her performance was compelling and i loved how she kind of glanced at laura at one point quickly but it really felt meaningful to me like i felt like she was doing some good acting there (laughs) for being a (laughs) non-actor what do you think of that scene like what do you think of her what if the mrs tree what is what is her role is she really just a neighbor and doesn't know anything well i think because then how the lights go out you know like i feel like that there's that that house is fucking haunted and anybody in that house is haunted as well <laughs> oh, I, as a part of the haunted factory yeah no i i agree but i think in and you, you mentioned this um previously to me um you're you're re-watching the second season of, of twin peaks 
And uh, you've, you've got a newfound appreciation of the pine weasel, which I thought was uh, very endearing. Uh, well, no, I think it was, that was the day of the four. I was just trying to celebrate all of Twin Peaks, and uh, it just happened to be on the background. But I was like, that scene, I actually laughed. <laughs> got the, on the nose, and the, that's perfect. I thought it was fantastic. But uh, yeah, was, I went back and looked at the scene. Uh, I think it was after uh, Harold Smith had killed himself, right. right? And I think Donna went to show Agent Cooper uh, Mrs. Tremont's house. And... Uh, because she had met the boy, her and the boy, and the cream corn magic trick, and the whole thing. And I don't know why she wanted to go over there, but uh, you can explain that. But like, they go over there, and she's not there. It's another Mrs. Tremont, a younger one, just like very similar uh, scene as the one we just saw. And Cooper's completely baffled. And then she goes, "Oh, uh, you know, I don't know anything about this old lady. You know, I, I've lived here. I, my grandmother's been dead for years, but I do have a letter for Donna. Are you Donna?" And so it was uh, actually was from Harold Smith, and turned out to be the fourth page of uh, Laura's diary where she talks about the fucking dream dude and that she went and met a man and they flash back to the scene with Cooper and uh, it was just really like a different interpretation like uh, completely seeing that scene now is when I first viewed it Um, yeah well isn't I mean that's it for me is that uh, when Donna went to visit um, the Tremonts that the, the lady that we saw in that episode which was I believe number 16 was the real person who lived there and she had been living there for a while but when she stepped in and saw um francis bay the actress who's been in a lot of lynch films namely blue velvet and she's the marble lie marble marble rye woman from seinfeld and lynch's son the uh the magician the cream corn that that was um a, a different reality and i think that's what we're seeing here in twin peaks that if for some reason, like if, if like maybe you step away, you come back, um, that you'll see the real people or the, the the spirits that live there. Because remember, Fire Walk with Me, the trailer at the Fat Trot Trailer Park, and it was actually the trailer where Teresa Banks was murdered. It's not indicated in the film, but if you read the script, she's in the Chalfont trailer, and Carl Rod says two Chalfonts. There's one Chalfont there, but the previous resident was also Chalfont. And there's only one shot of Mrs. Tremond, who we know as Mrs. Tremond, at the Fat Trot Trailer Park in Fire Walk With Me. It's when Carl Rod looks out of the uh, Teresa Banks' trailer into the Chalfont trailer, and he sees her, and you can't really make her out, but it is her, and she reaches up and she touches her left arm, which is significant because of Teresa Banks' left arm going numb with the ring. Laura Palmer had the same thing in her dream. So there is some connection with uh, these dual personas in actual locations. And when I saw the ending of Part 18, I took it as on the surface, that woman uh, who we saw, Alice Tremond, is living in that house. But there's also some spookier shit going on there represented by the lights flickering off. And us, or the audience and Laura hearing uh, Sarah Palmer say, Laura, and it all coming back over her. And I think that's what's representative of the scream is it all comes flooding over Laura at that point, all the memories. And that's what we end on. But the cycle will continue. Yeah, don't you think Coop should have asked to come in the house? He's the FBI agent. He could have walked in. Looked around. Don't you think, like, Sarah's in there? Some shooty action, some woodsmen. There's some shit going on in there. Well, Maybe not woodsmen, I guess, because Bob's been vanquished. And it seems like the woodsmen were vanquished Bob. But, uh, well, yeah, but... Why didn't he... Why didn't he... Why did not... Why, I would love to have seen him try to go in. See what's in there. Uh, yeah. I mean, we heard Sarah scream, right? I mean, she's in there, right? Yeah. 
She's in yeah. there. No, I, I agree that, that that exists, the evil. It is in her house now. I really believe that is the main hub of evil here in Twin Peaks, which I believe is the epicenter, since we have a Black Lodge that we know of, and the giant or the fireman's domain, which we presume is the White Lodge, in Twin Peaks as well. And um, obviously all the spooky shenanigans that's going around the town, I believe that Twin Peaks is kind of the epicenter of this game, this chess match between the good and the firemen and the evil represented by the experiment, who is now, in my opinion, taken over the Palmer household and and maybe even Sarah Palmer herself. Obviously, we've seen her superimposed over the jumping man. What his role is, I'm not entirely sure. But Cooper bringing Laura back there, um, that's for me, is I think, was a mistake. I don't think that was... Uh, his intended mission because if Sarah and the mother are there, what is going to happen to both Coop and Laura? I would think um, (laughs) it wouldn't be a happy ending. I think it would be feeding into the evil there. And it makes sense for me that the good Coop or the Cooper that we saw in part 17 was trying to take Laura to the White Lodge or the fireman's domain but it didn't work out. And I think it's because he's not 100%. Um, I, not saying he's a, a bad detective, but I think his brain's still a little bit scrambled. And the, the fireman inter, intervened. So I, I just... there's. I think he's that's what he's doing. He's always been like a seeker, right? He's always been like intuitive and kind of expecting for the universe to meet him halfway when he takes these leaps of faith yeah. and takes these leaps of intuition. And just like when he solved the Leland murder in the original series, he walked brought everybody to the roadhouse, but he didn't have a plan. You know, and he's like, I don't, you know, Albert, I don't know what to do next, you know. And uh, <laughs> Shall and I call a boom. Tibetan yeah. chant, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, and then the clock strikes because I think someone's missing. And then, boom, in comes the giant in the form of Senior Drill Cup and Major Briggs. And they're the ones that solved it or helped, you know, save the day. But on the porch of the Palmer House, there was no one to, to, to save the day for him. He just walked in there. And uh, with no no fucking plan or, or clue what to do. Yeah, almost... That was his fatal flaw, really. Right, and when, in part 17, when Mr. C actually um, found the coordinates, which were the same, was the same location near Jackrabbit's Palace, and got sucked up into the, the fireman's domain, um, that screen uh, that um, we saw had the Palmer residence. And I'm assuming that's where Mr. C wanted to go to be... Um, with the experiment or mother um, for what purpose I'm not entirely sure I've got some theories on that but obviously the the, the, the fireman swiped it and and you know placed him outside of the the sheriff station um, and ultimately his, his demise but um, the whole thing you know my with, favorite one of my favorite lines of Cooper in this entire finale was no one's mentioned is like uh, it doesn't mean that much but when he pulls up to the house he looks at Laura and goes you recognize that house? I love the way he says that. That was yeah. like real. Yeah. That was real Cooper. Yeah. He said it like in a gentle, he knew, you know, he was being real there. Right. Um, yeah. I love that. No, I, I agree. And what year is it? I love that too. Like, I love the initial impression that Coop was uh, maybe maybe the Doctor Who, Philip Jeffrey's time traveler, and he was just not really used to doing all this. Like, he wasn't that good at it yet. Right. You know, like he had created a new world that wasn't quite the white, it wasn't working out. His plan was fucking up. I like that idea better that it's like he's in a doomed circ- uh, loop from hell <laughs> and he's stuck right. in the lodge forever. No, yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I think it's more, you know, like. I want to go back to believing that. 
You should. Just all you have to do I is know. I think I, tell I, yourself. Well, yeah. Give me some time. It's only been six <laughs> days, right? Well, I, we have like the rest of our lives to, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. And I think it is smart for some people like, you know, they're going to wait and let it gestate and see, you know, because this is all still like raw for me. I'm still trying to, to deal with like, you know, you know, just surviving. I'm having like, I'm, I'm, it hurts. It lingered like the pain, the scream at the end of that series lingered for me. It let, it's a, uh, it's affected me. It's bummed me out. Yeah, it's troubled exact, me. I'm exhilarated. I'm, I'm ultimately just mesmerized by uh, mostly part 18 because it's, for me, like a standalone feature. It's almost like when Lynch and Frost were writing it uh, or about to conceive it, Lynch told Frost to just like, you know, you know, just, you know, I'll take it from here. Just take a break because it feels almost like a completely um, standalone Lynch film. And I just love the silences, the pauses, the driving shots, the mystery. Um, it's unlike anything that we, we saw prior, including part eight, which was its own standalone um, episode, but completely different. And um, I would I would really like to watch part eight and part 18, even though I don't think they're linked uh, uh, narratively, I mean, symbolically, I think, or in abstractions, but that would be one hell of a double feature, um, part eight followed by part 18. Um, I, I, I just I can't stop thinking about it and trying to put the puzzle pieces together and going back. I mean, I'm I'm doing my own little Philip Jeffries coop time jump because when I'm taking all these notes, I'm going from part two to part seven to part 17 back to part one and just watching like little individual scenes and taking notes to try to put all these things together because I really think that there's still some major, major clues early on in the season and early on in the season and scattered throughout namely uh, part one and part two with, with the glass box and what I already discussed in part eight and other other instances as well um, but uh, yeah I like I said I'm, I'm the exact opposite so we're good we're like we're like uh, Twin Peaks we're like the light in the dark um, yeah like I really have like had to put it down like I, I can't like I mean I'm reading stuff about it like I'm, but I'm not like watching it obsessively at all like I've watched I watched it, like four times both of them and that's what I need. I just put it down for a couple of days and uh, you know, just kind of let it sit. You know what I mean? Because what it is, it's like for me, it's like, you know, I, I come into this like it's a, it's a very emotional thing watching Twin, Twin Peaks and Lynch. And it's got it hits all the emotion, but it's also very intellectual. Right. And it's like a challenge. It's like a little puzzle. It's a wonderful puzzle. You know, it's a little magical puzzle. And so I can't get my head around it. And so sometimes you got to put it down. And then come back to it. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. Maybe you'll find, give me some more clues. You know, one thing that you and I talked about that I don't, I've never heard anybody mention is that, like, it does look like when Nido is, like, turning into Diane, like, her, her face reveals uh, a set of eyes that are not uh, Diane's. Uh, who, it, she looks like someone else there for a second. Well, I looked at that again, and I think at one point I thought the same thing. And that it's a striking I looked at it again, and... Um, it looks like it's the actress who plays Naido, her mouth with Diane's eyes or Laura Dern's eyes. And maybe that was confusing to me. But I took like several shots on my phone, like just rapid fire and then looked at them. Um, and I swear on the one of the pictures that at some point her face morphs into what looks like a monkey. And that might be just me wanting to see a monkey. Why don't you post it? Yeah, why don't you post it? On because your I took it off my TV, <laughs> and there was this kind of it. Did, the resolution wasn't great, but it was it was good enough to make out that image. But I, I, maybe I'll, I'll do it on the iPad because I think I can take a better picture on the iPad. I just haven't. But um, yeah, that's very interesting because I think that um, there's some major clues with that. But I also still think that that's part of 
the, the, the Cooper dream. Um, it's just that that whole scene feels very Wizard of Oz-esque and dream-like. And I'm still not convinced that Naido and Diane are one of the same. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I just, it just seems, it's, it was so odd and unexpected to see the affection that Coop had for Diane. Now, I know that he's affectionate towards her and she towards him, but to take it to the next level where it's romantic um, and then ultimately in part 18, which I think is different because we're dealing with another uh, reality, I think, when they're making love in the hotel room. But even before that and her role and uh, meeting him outside of Glastonbury Grove, I mean, I posited that and I know, you know, it, 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 that, well, what I thought was that it would make more narrative sense, even though I personally didn't like Annie, the character Annie Blackburn. I thought it was kind of shoehorned in when the Audrey Coop romance was uh, kiboshed. But um, it still makes sense um, in a narrative sense that she went, went in the lodge with Coop in, in the end of the original series and she came out um, that that she could, obviously was affected by her experience. We obviously saw that in The Missing Pieces where she was catatonic and she had the ring. So there's all kinds of uh, you know, possibilities with her character having been to another dimension and possibly you know being a Naido representative but to make it Diane when we've had no backstory with Diane was a huge leap of faith and I went with it because it's Twin Peaks and I love Laura Dern and, and Kyle McLaughlin and I like their characters but I just for me it didn't fit and it's it was it was a little jarring um to use one of my popular uh, phrases and I yeah, you've, we've talked about this. I just feel like Annie was just a fleeting thing. Like, they weren't love destined for each other. I feel like D- uh, Diane, I believed it just because, you know, we haven't seen any of them ever together. That's why it's hard to grasp. But, like, you know, they've had a lifelong relationship, sure. and uh, that that could be the love. But you're right. We never saw it. You know, it was never hinted at, really. But it's playing you know? out over the superimposed so is, Cooper yeah. living inside the dream. So maybe that's... For me, that's that is indicative of some kind of dream that is it's not real. And then that cutaway when the lights go out and they show up um, in the furnace room of the Great Northern in slow motion, in slow motion, walking towards the camera, Cole, Cooper, and Diane. It seems very dreamlike. And um, if you notice, and I don't want to get too caught up on the FBI pins, but Coop never had an FBI pin after he exited the portal number three and part three up until this point where he shows up in the furnace room. So for me, that is like the end point of this, whatever dream construct we've been seeing, but why is Cole there and why is Diane there? I'm not, I'm not certain. Yeah. You've got a whole uh, FBI pin theory, don't you? Well, okay. <laughs> if you want to go ahead and say what well, in the fight, fu- go ahead. We spent 10 minutes on it last night. Let's hear it again. <laughs> well, he's not wearing the FBI pin when he's talking to the fireman in part one. But in every lodge scene, he has the FBI pin. He doesn't have it in the return in, in the narrative from parts 13 to 17 up until the point that I just mentioned. Um, but then when he goes through that door and meets the one-armed man and Jeffries and goes back to 1989, he has the pin again. And then when we see him in part 18, he has the pin again. But in Fire Walk With Me... When he sees Laura at the end, when she sees her angels in the lodge, he doesn't have his pin. So it's, I mean, I don't have any answers, but I think there are some clues. For me, I really believe that a big chunk 
of the narrative that we just saw was, I'm not saying it's a dream. I think we live inside a dream is kind of Lynch's interpretation of the Upanishads. It's, it's one kind of reality. I really believe that what we saw in part two was Coop trying to exit the lodge, but he couldn't leave the lodge because Mr. C was out there. And what we saw was just one reality and it came to its full, uh, you know, a circle ending where Mr. C was returned and Coop was Agent Cooper, but he still had another mission. But then when he ultimately saved Laura and she was plucked away, he returned to the lodge just like in part two. And we saw the pretty much the same exact scenes. Is it future? Is it past? said again, but in like the exact opposite way, in the sense of where he was walking um, along his journey. So in my opinion, that is when Coop really exited the lodge. And when he did, I also speculate, it was not in present day. It was in 1989. And uh, that first half of the journey with Diane, if you notice, the car is an older model car. In that hotel room, there's a CRT uh, cathode ray tube television there's a remote the phone is it looks very like 90s or 80s 90s but then when they he leaves that next morning um he's uh, at a different motel and he's in a different car and he is now in present time so you know we'll talk a lot more about this but i think that what we're seeing now is obviously i think not an epilogue but uh, i'm gonna say the first episode of season four but a whole new journey and we just saw basically 30 minutes of it after, you know, he left or Diane left him. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I mentioned this before, but like I watched, uh, you know, episode one again, the, the original scene with the giant, like doing, you know, remember Richard and Linda, remember 430, all that stuff. It just had a completely different meaning to me yeah. now um, in impression. It made me think like he's going like, dude. Are you gonna do this again? You remember? Don't you remember like this? Don't you remember when you failed? Don't you? Re- you're gonna? And he's like, yeah, I understand. And he's like, yeah, you are far away, dude. Like, I think yeah, like, that's the thing that really made me feel like the that he is. Uh, he's just gonna keep continuing taking this fucking journey again and again. And that maybe the whole entire season never happened. Well, that he never left the lodge. No, I, yeah, I don't think so. But just think of what Philip Jeffries. Obviously, I think Jeffries is. Um, he's you know on the good team. He's on the, the good side, and where he wound up, he was stuck in uh, the motel within the convenience store within a dream in a, in a tea kettle. Uh, it's just kind of like it, make, it ties back into the Audrey thing. It's almost like Coop is like a larger, grander – he's got just a more grand little girl down the lane story going that, that uh, Audrey has. They both are in a similar position. Yeah, the Audrey right. thing is perplexing. You know, I was talking to Caitlin on Twitter. She had an interesting theory um, about Audrey maybe being connected to – Laura's character, Carrie Page in Odessa. And she had some interesting uh, correlations, basically um, saying that um, that the conversations that were happening um, at the coffee shop where Carrie Page was working were things that she was overhearing in that coffee shop were connected to Audrey's narrative. And when she saw the dead person in Carrie Page's house on the couch, she thought of Audrey attacking Charlie on the couch and she also said that Carrie Page seemingly didn't want to leave her house um, and Audrey obviously 
wasn't leaving her house or couldn't cross the threshold. And there's a couple other things, and I, I don't want to get, because I'd have to read off the, the, the message that she sent me, but she's going to speculate a little bit more on it. But there were the things that she went, she like I said, went into greater detail, but there might be a connection. I don't know what it means. I haven't really had a time to think about it, but um, it's an interesting uh, possibility. Well, it does seem like Laura was stuck in some sort of pocket universe somehow, whether the lodge created as a trap or it was a Judy trap, whatever the fuck, whoever sucked her away, put her in that space, right? That we you see mean her. from 1989? Yeah. When she gets sucked away in 1989, whether she goes up to the lodge or whether the evil sucks her in, you know, but she's, she's somehow transported to Odessa and that's like her little pocket universe hell that she's in. And, uh, Audrey could be in a similar pocket universe hell. Like yeah. Cooper could be in his own pocket universe hell. Possibly. You know what I mean? Well, but you yeah. okay. I, I want to clear up the the Laura thing because the who we saw in the lodge in part two when she was sucked away. Do you think that's when she got transported to Odessa, or do you think when Cooper saved her in 1989 that she got sucked up into um, or back to Odessa or to the lodge? Which one? Well, I don't know. That's what I'm well, saying. I don't know, but I'm th- I'm thinking that because that uh, I'm thinking that it's possible that she got sucked straight to Odessa. Like that was some sort of Judy. Because it said because I mean that's the whole the problem I have with that theory that everyone that Kyle was sending out McLaughlin was that like they were saying okay that's a White Lodge construct that was uh, going to trap Judy, but like there was no Judy in there. But then so and, and Laura had no memory of the past, so that no Judy was been conjured. But there was a eat at Judy's fucking thing there. Like you know what I'm saying like. And Odessa is a wrathful woman. That's what Odessa means, you know, or an interpretation of that. And so it does feel like that uh, very well. That could be, you know, a pocket universe that Laura was sucked in like a lodge a hell because it was hell. That's hell. She was living in hell. Odessa is hell. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Odessa is hell. Yes. <laughs> We've actually been slow to Odessa. Yeah. They call it slow death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I think I still believe that um, that when she was pulled out of the, the woods with Cooper. I think it was to the Black Lodge. I don't think it was to Odessa. And why I think what we saw, because I think Cooper and Laura are, are tied together. I think their narratives are tied together. Even though we didn't see what Laura went through, I think it would mirror what Cooper went through as Dougie. That I don't think that she went back to Odessa in 1989 from you know, that being sucked out because I think she would still remember Laura Palmer and develop like it would, it just would be hard to develop a Southern accent. I just think that, um, she is Laura Palmer, but she's only been in that reality for a short time. And when she's talking with Cooper on the ride there about when she was a little girl and trying to do the right things, it's not as Carrie Page. I think that's Laura Palmer coming out. Um, a little bit. Well, Laura Palmer never had to clean it, keep an organized house or a clean house. I don't think that was Laura Palmer. <laughs> well, no, but metaphorically speaking. But I like that line. You're right. The line when she said, I was just too young to know any better. Like, I felt that was like a Laura memory coming back. You know? Well, just metaphorically with the, the evil that was in her house, though, represented by Leland and Bob. I mean, it, it could be open interpretation. Did you see yeah. the. You know what's weird? It's like, so are you. Are we supposed to believe like the mother and Judy have nothing to do with the Black Lodge? Uh, Is that right? Yeah, no, I, I, I really believe that. Yeah, I don't think that Mother and Judy have anything to do with the Black Lodge. Black Lodge seems to be completely independent of this battle 
between the firemen and the experiment, in my opinion. It plays a role as almost like a, a way station, like a purgatory, like the waiting room. But obviously, I think it's there's, it's more to that. Um, we've seen like doppelgangers. I, th- I even speculate that the Black Lodge itself might have its own doppelganger. But um, what I, I want to talk about is briefly about Mr. C and... Um, uh, his playing card, you know, like what he wants, and it was it's the, the symbol of we mother symbol. We think it's presumably, yeah, presumably that, and to be um, I, reunited somehow. And I'm still kind of uncertain with that. But the flip side of it is what I'm thinking about is that we know that Bob came from the experiment, and remember the phone call, the famous phone call in part two, um, who he thought he was talking with Jeffries. Yes, then we'll never know. <laughs> but we know it's not Jeffries, right? Because he says he, you know, he didn't have you know Mr. C's number. Well, Jeffries. What yeah. if, hypothetically, that was the experiment talking to Mr. C? Sure. And the reason I why I say this is going back to part eight again and watching that scene with the experiment. It looked like, and I've noticed this before, but I just really put any thought to it. If you. I mean, obviously, the, the, the scene that preceded it was the woodsman and the woodsman at the convenience store. And you saw them all rummaging outside, and then they were inside. And it made me think of Philip Gerard's line, the one-armed man, that, you know, it was like a meeting place above the convenience store and what we saw in Firewalk with me and these rituals. And what I've been thinking about is, is that they and not the atomic test summoned the experiment and summoned Bob from the experiment whereas the experiment perhaps in my opinion and this is just a wild theory wasn't put there to spew all of this onto our you know earthly plane that the woodsman pulled it from her because if you notice if you look at the experiment it looks like she's actually vomiting she makes like kind of like a like this gesture and like you know she's actually upchucking vomiting and you know that's like an involuntary thing no one wants to purposely like vomit and for me it was like the woodsman perhaps caused this to happen through their you know dugpa like we know that we, we call them dugpas as well that the sorcerers that goes back to you know the buddhist tradition that they pulled bob and the eggs from the experiment and caused all this mayhem and that's why they're so linked to bob and that mother has returned she's always existed evil's always existed but she wants to be with Bob again because Bob was always within her. So that line with I will be with Bob again made me think of possibly it being the mother. And I haven't heard that anywhere. And I'm not saying it's right, obviously, because who the hell knows, but it's a possibility. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so number one did have a, a dripping mouth, just like Freddie. He was always blood yeah, gushing blood, yeah. so vomiting, kind of a little vomit on the spittle in his cheeks. Maybe he uh, th- that would be giving the woodsman a lot more power than I thought that they would be able to conjure Bob out of Mother. That they they must have maybe the drink deep within or that little uh, was a very powerful limerick, and that was the one that conjured it. Yeah, pos- yeah, well, yeah. There's all kinds of possibilities, but getting back to like Judy with Mister C as well is that since we I believe that Cooper and Mister C have like shared memories because you know when we saw mr c at the twin peaks sheriff station um he knew who andy and lucy was and and knew when he heard sheriff truman he recognized that it wasn't harry so i mean he hasn't obviously been there um in 25 years or i I don't think he he, mr c has ever been to the sheriff station but cooper has so so there's there's the shared memories 
So what I'm saying is, is that when he saw Mr. C saw Jeffries in part 16, that one of his major like missions wasn't just to find out why Jeffries or if Jeffries sent Ray out to kill him, but about Judy. And I think that Mr. C knows that Judy might be represented by the mother, but what I was speculating before about there's a human element at play here that also represents Judy, which I talked about with Laura, representing the light and the dark, and that was where his confusion uh, uh, where his confusion lied, because from Cole's instructions or, or story to Albert, Briggs, Cole, and Cooper came up with a plan that would lead to Judy. So Cooper has apparently had this information all along, which makes me think that Mr. C also knows. But the wild card is that who does Judy represent? And I don't believe it's the experiment. I believe it's that player. It could be anyone, Naido, Sarah, but I think it's Laura Palmer because Jeffrey said you've met her before. Yes, yeah, so or you met it Laura. before, that's, or Judy before. Yeah. That's that's a pretty yeah. I've never heard anybody think that. So that's a very compelling yeah. theory. We'll never no, know. No, we'll never know, Probably right? Never it's, know. Just, it's all about yeah. speculation. Oh, there's one other thing I want to say with the the, the glass box is that um, we all assume from that photograph in part what was it part twelve uh, where uh, we saw Mister C in New York in front of the glass box and uh, that Tammy mm-hmm. brought, but. My thinking is that, okay, so, yeah, anonymous billionaire, but what if the plan that Briggs, Cooper, and Cole came up with was to, that led to Judy, was to trap Judy in the glass box? What if the glass box was the creation of the FBI and Cole, obviously Cooper and Briggs had already disappeared, and over 25 years, I mean, who knows how long? I don't think it's been uh, in place for 25 years. But the reason why I think that is because in part three, uh, or yeah, it's part the end of part three when Tammy comes in, when we're introduced to Tammy, she lets Cole and Albert know about the penthouse murders. And I'm assuming that Cole put her on that investigation. That doesn't seem like a normal FBI case. I don't think it's a Blue Rose case, even though like heads were eaten up. Dude, when you saw that clip, but you saw the visual, you saw the creature, the critter. Remember the still? They caught a glimpse of it. That's a blue rose. Well, he said, right like, there. when you see that monster, the head's been Yeah, he off. said, what the oh, hell? And, uh, but I think that. I think anytime Gordon says, what the hell? Like, that's a blue rose case. So I think that, <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that he knew. I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something other than, because why would Mr. C construct that glass box? And God knows when he did it. Was it all to either trap the experiment or to trap Cooper. Because he already had a hit on Cooper. He already knew that he would show up in Dougie Land, presumably. Well, don't we know, for one thing, is whatever it was, his plan was, it was a stupid plan because Mr. C was making lots of stupid his plans. His whole plan, his modus operandi, was a big F. He failed at... Well, he's Cooper. Cooper also has some really <laughs> bad plans. So that's the problem. He's the evil part of the Cooper City plan. It's a doppel crap. Doppel doppel- crap plan. I just can't believe that Mr. The whole thing, he really spent the bulk of the series trying to find coordinates and uh, we heard it in first in part two and he winds up in part 17 finally getting there it's actually in twin peaks the place where he exited in the original series and met with major briggs nearby and he went on this huge circle that lasted 25 years that brought him there and he was imprisoned immediately and thrown into the you know to the sheriff's station and ultimately done in by lucy crazy just crazy 
Yeah, and what was he going to do anyway if he got, if, if that was going to take him to Unfinished mother? Unfinished mother, mother would have eaten him. The mother would have ripped Bob out of his guts. That's what he was saying. Like, remember he was talking to Philip Jeffries? He was worried about that. I think now that we know that Bob was in what? him, you know, when he was talking to Philip in fifteen or whatever it was, when uh, asking like, "Who's Judy? Does Judy want something from me?" It's Bob. That's what, uh, that's yeah, what I right. think. That's Bob, obviously. I think so, the ex- yeah. So what was why? Why would he want to uh, find Judy if Judy's going to rip the Bob out of him? What the fuck? Well, is, I think it's a difference. I, that's not. Good I think for him. Judy is a person. I don't think Judy is the experiment. <laughs> Why? I mean, why would he say, have I met Judy before? Uh, you know, what does she want from me? And uh, I don't think it's the experiment. I really, really don't. Why did Jeffries say in part 17, when he's getting all that, that, that data for Coop, um, this is where you'll find Judy? Because that's where Mother was. That's where they ended up going back to the damn Palmer house. No. And that's what he wanted to do, kill two birds with one stone. He wasn't taking her to Sarah Palmer's house in Part 17. He was taking her to the location near Jack Rabbit's palace. No. Oh, oh, that's yeah, what it, I, yeah. I don't. I think it was a person. That's why I think it's Laura. Is it, then why didn't Lynch tell us this at all? How are we supposed to... Why would he tell us? He's Mr. Mystery Man. Or show us Judy. He, told, he basically, all he did at the last couple episodes, he really pointed Judy to being the experiment, being the mother, being the one that the critter that's inhabiting, or the, the entity that's inhabiting Sarah. He made us all... That's one thing that was clear, or pretty darn clear, of the, all the shit that wasn't clear. He really made that clear. He sat down and gave us a little thesis. He said that Jaude, now Judy, was this negative force. And like I said, I think Judy is a part of Jaude. But Judy is represented by an actual physical person, and that person is Laura Paul. Well, yeah, I mean, well, think, think it. Okay. Well, no, I spent oh, about five it. minutes on that theory. It's just a theory. Yeah, I just, I'm not really that, buying that. The, for the well, okay, then I mean, I, like I just said, really, give me some plausible answer as why uh, Jeffrey said this is where you'll find Judy when he is supposed to go to 1989. Sarah Palmer was not the uh, whatever the jumpy man, the experiment in 1989. This will take you to Judy. You'll find Judy here. Well, there's no, I mean, I think that, uh, I think it all was the, going back to saving Laura and killing Mother. That was the two birds with one stone. Killing Judy, the Jow Day, that was what it was. He was going to try to do save Laura and kill Judy at the same time. I don't have no idea why he would think that he could I do think that. the two birds I think that's with one stone is uh, the Mr. C storyline and Bob and the Judy. I don't think Laura's a part of that. Yeah, well, it's just. It's very good. <laughs> Any last thoughts? I'm sure. You want to just say we can just wrap ourselves around the twist on this forever and ever. So, uh, yeah, I just need. To, I think I need more time to let it gestate to really try to figure out some any any solution that's not the bleakest. Yeah, I think you need like a heavy <laughs> dose of Zawowski. You need to like uh, you love Zawowski. Yeah, well, you haven't helped. You've not. I could tell you, you haven't helped. Yeah, I've not gotten any uh, any solutions in this episode that's made me feel any different. Um, it's just made me more confused. And I'm enjoying reading all the different thoughts and speculations. And I, li- I like hearing your theories. And I like how everyone else's minds work. But it's not able to override that colossal emotional like kick to the nuts that we all got, or emotional suplex that uh, it's still ringing in my ears. You know, so. Uh, It'll take some time, but I'm sure I'll get around to thinking uh, some more positive thoughts about it. Yeah, well, I'm the exact um, opposite. Like, I'd feel a lot more positive about it if there was going to be a season four. <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, even if... Because then you know it wouldn't be the end. That's the, that's the whole thing. This would be great uh, if it wasn't just the end. That's the thing. Is that's the, I can hear the, the, the void uh, calling didn't you get, while I ponder this for all eternity. Didn't you get some serious Lost Highway vibes from Part 18? I'm not just talking about the, the driving yeah, shots. I did. But... Um, I did. 
Was there also another bleak ending? Well, the, the whole thing, if you read the actual um, uh, synopsis for Lost Highway, which I think premiered in February of 1987. It's uh, like a, he, Lynch described it as a 21st century noir horror film. And I can't remember the exact, um, uh, the rest of this, but it talks about um, uh, an investigation into parallel identity crises, like a terrifying trip down the lost highway. It's just that rang through my head or just was bouncing back and forth while I was watching part 18 with Cooper and Diane and presumably Linda and Richard with Fred and Pete and Alice and Renee and then throwing uh, Renee in there and having the sudden burst of violence at the Eat at Judy's and just the completely terrifying abstract ending and even the shot of Cooper um, in the car with Laura and the headlights behind like if you match up the end shot of, of Bill Pullman's character in Lost Highway at the end when he's in the car where the cops are following him, it's almost the same exact composition. So, uh, you know, I, I always think that's Lynch's most bleakest, darkest film, Lost Highway. I've talked about that before, but I think what Lynch is telling us here, even after the, the kind of the hopefulness of Part 17, um, with obviously the events at the sheriff's station and saving Laura Palmer and having a total like reimagining of Fire Walk With Me and the endless possibilities of seeing all of our favorite characters again in kind of new identities themselves, but also like saying, okay, I'll give you that, but I've got to go ahead and tell you that the darkness is still pervasive and the experiment is still out there. And Laura, her story is just beginning. And uh, if it's left on that note, I'm not going to think, I mean, I'm not going to be troubled by it. I'm going to just rejoice and regale and love it because I love the abstractions. I love the eraser head, the lost highway. I love the rabbit holes and the enigmas. And for me, like I said, I can't stop watching part 18. It is so utterly fascinating. And uh, like I said, I just have a different feeling that uh, than you that than you do, but uh, hey, that's that's why we're here. That's why we're each uh, have our own interpretations. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up Lost Time. It is kind of like metaphorically speaking, like uh, this episode, this season, whole season could have begun with like someone going up and like going like Laura Palmer is dead, <laughs> and then at the very end come up and go Laura Palmer is dead. Episode eighteen, there it is. Well, is it wasn't the infinity symbol also kind <laughs> of at one point? Uh, it kind of looked like a Mobius strip a little bit. Um, uh, well, isn't an infinity symbol pretty much a Mobius ship? Except it's the um, Mobius ship is more like yeah, AD, yeah, you know? like yeah. The, yeah. So yeah, that's what I think. It was like that we are still watching Coop's Mobius strip story, um, uh, chasing Laura around, and who knows? Like I mean, I think it's a great ending. On that note, it's a it's a it's an amazing ending. Um, it's just terrifying, and it doesn't give you hope for a season four. Well, one quick <laughs> thing I want to just ask you: what your brief thoughts are, and I know that we talked about this last week, and I just and I don't think we talked about this on the phone when we've been talking about part seventeen and eighteen. But Diane seeing her double outside of that motel room. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that? Because I really can't. I don't think that's Tulpa Diane. She looks exactly the same, the red hair, the black and the white. She's wearing black and white, I believe, and she has the black and white uh, nails. Is that possibly just the the kind of visual cue of Diane slash Linda, and she's able to recognize it, and Cooper is not? 
I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. I have oh. no clue. That one guy that everyone's the Kyle McLaughlin theory, they thought that she was, they were going to have to consummate sex uh, to, in order to like, you know, reverse Babylon, uh, the, the, the deal. And that she was disassociating herself slowly from before she had to go in and have sex. Uh, Cause she didn't want to have sex with Cooper because it was going to bring back horrifying memories. Um, so that actually made sense to me. The rest of the theory didn't, but uh, I like, I didn't understand the sexual ritual uh, as being a part of it, like a Jack Parsons type thing. But um yeah, so that's I really don't know, dude. That's what I mean. Like the, what I the original feeling I got was that this is uh, he's been brought into a pocket universe that is the evil has followed him, and that uh, you know things may change. That Diane has already changed and has been influenced, and she's uh, you know no longer Diane. Or there's there's her doppel there. I don't know. I have no yeah, idea. it's fascinating. That that it's one shot though. itself is its own <laughs> puzzle box. Yeah, I could. Yeah, that is a puzzle yeah. box right there. People could write fucking books about that. I'm sure they will. Maybe so. Maybe you um, will. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I have to have answers though. That's what I'm saying. I can't. I can't. I. I got. You've got my number. My you got my number, brain. right? Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, so yeah, we'll keep. We're gonna keep chopping up our theories, and uh, you know, we're not gonna go away, you guys. So you can keep uh, tuning into us. We'll probably be doing it, you know, at least once a week, um, right? Once a week. So we we'll, might be we'll, doing uh, biweekly. We'll we know. might do that. Yeah, we might. Yeah, maybe not for a while, though. I think I need to let, let this rest for a while. I think once a week for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> my brain needs to be put back together. But in the meantime, you can still, uh, you know, talk to us on, fa- on Facebook and Twitter and all the ideas. We're all kind of tired, but I'm sure we're going to start. I think this weekend I could see people, like, really starting to, like, be able to reprocess it. So I'm sure we're going to really have more revelations of what it all means. But uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Podcast Act, all that good stuff. Uh, we've been getting some good reviews, so we really appreciate it. I- all that good stuff so keep it coming um, until next time uh, thanks for tuning in